Hey, Toronto. Welcome to How's the Market Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Kate. Thanks for joining us again. Today, we're going to be talking about the TRESA regulations that are coming into effect December 2023. Wait, TRESA, this is your friend you're always telling me about, right? No, <laughs> that's TESA. Oh. No, this is TRESA. So it stands for Trust and Real Estate Services Act. Okay. And it's going to be replacing REBA 2002. And if you're not a realtor, you probably have no idea what these words mean or what we're talking about. We all about. know who REBA is. <laughs> but anyone who is a realtor had to study them when they were getting their certification and go through all the courses. And I'm sure they've heard REBA a million times. Uh, we are getting a large overhaul to the system, and we're going to chat a little bit about it today. Absolutely. Basically, it's it's brought in and it, it regulates the conduct by realtors. It sets out guidelines and operations on how we conduct our business. So what, what are some of the changes we're going to see? There's a few changes. The first one is going to be, there's a new term called designated representation, which might sound a little confusing to some people, but it but is... It gets even more confusing. Multiple representation is... When there's a buyer and seller mm -hmm. or a landlord and a tenant, and they're both represented by the same brokerage, I guess it could have the perception that there might be some collusion, but really there isn't because they don't know each other. Yeah. So I guess multiple representation is a broad term and it covers both the situations where, you know, it's the same agent representing buyer and seller, which obviously there can be a little bit more um, caution in that scenario. There are some reasons why buyers and sellers would want that. And there are some reasons why they might not choose to work with the same realtor. It's really just making sure that everybody is aware that the same organization, the same brokerage firm is going to be handling both sides, yeah. even though it's two different individuals. What, why would someone do multiple representation with the same agent? Sometimes everyone loves realtor.ca. Yep. You know, if they're on there, they're looking at it, they say, hey, I want to check out this property and, and they go directly to the listing agent. Yeah. So under the new TRESA Act, you can choose to be represented by the same brokerage, but a different agent within that brokerage. Yep. And they're going to be solely responsible for your interest and the other agent is going to be solely responsible for the other party's interests. Which I think is a great way to do it because now you can provide advice to one side and, and really feel like you have accurate representation. Mm -hmm. On our team, we always, if this scenario comes where someone comes to one of our listings directly to us, we'll have another team member deal with it. Mm -hmm. Same thing I know with other agents within their brokerage, they have an agent come, they have someone coming to look direct, to deal with them directly. They'll always say, hey, why don't you deal with so-and-so in my office? They can work directly with you and provide one-on-one -on -one support. Absolutely. Another change that we're seeing is that they are completely eliminating the term customer. So if you've ever signed a working with a realtor before, you've probably been walked through the differences between client and customer. A uh, client is basically someone that we have a, a fiduciary responsibility to and we're representing. Yeah. And a customer is someone who we are assisting with the sale, but we don't have the same legal responsibilities to them as we do with a client. It's hard because it's technical jargon for basically synonyms yeah. to, to the to, to an everyday person right and they, so it's, they found that the general population was getting confused by the term client and customer because they sound so similar i know some realtors that get confused by it <laughs> so it, the term is now being replaced with a self-represented party so you are still working with a realtor they're still going to advise you through the situation but you yeah. are essentially representing yourself and they don't have the same fiduciary or ethical responsibility to you as they would if you were a client yep the number three, which is probably the most interesting one that everyone's been talking about, is the open offers process. So this is going to be optional for sellers. They now have the option, if they want, to disclose information and hold an open bidding process, whereas this was absolutely not allowed before. You were not allowed to do this as a seller. 
let's use an example. There's a home listed and we get three offers on it. Now, if the seller directs the listing agent to do it, they can disclose um, what sort of information now. So it's going to be information that's pertinent to the agreement. You're not going to be able to disclose any uh, like personal confidential information. Like we're not disclosing names. We're not disclosing uh, any information that's going to identify the potential buyers, but you're going to be able to disclose conditions, the closing date, the sale price, pretty much anything that's going to give you leverage or value within the offer. And you're going to essentially auction, you know, if you're taking out conditions, if you're moving up or moving past the closing date, going for a higher sale price, maybe a higher deposit, that information, if the seller chooses, is going to be open to, and it'll be like an open bidding system. So with the idea of this is that there's just more transparency Mm -hmm. to the public if the seller decides to allow it. I'm not really sure how this is going to change things very much. Mm -hmm. I think the public might get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain that we see as a listing agent and the seller gets to see is that depending on how many multiple offers there are, if there's five multiple offers on a property, maybe some are coming in right at the list price or below the list price. Those may or may not have conditions on them. So you see a wide variety of different things. And generally, I find that there's two or three offers that are the strongest offers that are really in line to what's going on in the current market and, and where the value is. Mm-hmm. That, that was the way it was for a long time. Now, it's interesting. The market, we see a, a, a ton of listings, more listings on the market, but a, a lot of those are relisted. So yeah. the chances- almost a third of them yeah, are the, relisted at the yeah, moment. The, chances of them getting in a multiple offer situation are less likely, mm-hmm. but this will be good for when we're in a seller's market again, potentially for buyers. But Buyers have been calling for this for a while. I know a lot of people who don't own property have been outraged and been calling for this. I don't know if this is a middle point, maybe a little less than a middle point. I know buyers were calling for the entire system to be completely transparent and to be completely open. I think similar to how Australia does it. Um, we haven't done too much research into that. We haven't looked into kind of how that would affect the market here in Canada. Um, so Australia implemented it and didn't really change much. Um, so Australia does auctions. Mm -hmm. Um, you stand on the front lawn and they do an auction. Um, the challenge with doing a live auction like that is the percentage of transactions that actually close from the auction is significantly lower than when you have representation from both sides and you make, and you go through the, the process here, when an offer goes firm, it's much more likely, and by firm, no conditions, deposits been delivered. Mm-hmm. It's much more likely to close than it is in Australia. My, my personal belief is you're, you've gone halfway into it, right? Because yeah. it's at the seller's discretion. Yeah. So it's going to apply to some properties. It's not going to apply to other properties, which I think is going to probably lead to confusion and frustration with, with some buyers. I don't know if some buyers are going to say, hey, you know, what's, what's your seller's process on this? How's it going to be? You know, if it's one way or the other, I might walk away from it. Yeah. And some buyers might be interested. They might yeah. want the transparency, feel like they're not just throwing a random number out there and crossing their fingers and hoping they get it. Maybe they're going to enjoy the transparency. And if someone is only $2,000 higher, maybe they're willing to go that extra four or $5,000 to get the offer. Maybe that's appealing to some buyers and some sellers. And for other people, it's not going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next year. The next one we have is, Services promised by your agent must be listed in the listing agreement and outlines. This is going to include any promises of staging, photography, videography, number of open houses that you've promised them, any services that you've specifically offered to the client and promised them. 
they're now going to have to be outlined in the listing agreement. And that's also going to include termination terms. So under what terms can this agreement be terminated early? I think this is a good thing. Just more clarity in a contract. Yep. And again, I think a lot of the top agents are probably already doing this. Yes. So it's basically bringing the standard up and for the agents who aren't doing it to encourage them to make sure that all their contracts are crystal clear with their clients. Yeah. I think the only people who aren't going to this clause are the people who hate doing more paperwork. There's always an adjustment. It's, there's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And Um, we're not even talking about leases yet. Oh gosh. Don't get me started. There's going to be a new consumer information guide. So that is going to be given out to the general public and it's going to be the only guide that RICO considers to be a true information guide. Brokerages cannot create their own version of this. It has to be the Tressa consumer information guide that's given to clients. And I believe it's expected that it should be given to clients at the beginning of every transaction, whether it's a buyer or a sale. I like that one. Mm-hmm. It's a one uniform guide across the board and directions to, to provide it and explain it. The material itself is going to be the same. How it is explained by agents is probably going to differ a little bit. Yep. But the resources are there for the consumer to educate themselves and they have a a trusted database, trusted uh, source for the information. Yeah, I'm interested when we're going to be able to see this information guide, when we're going to get a copy of it to review. They're also, I know, moving the ethics that are behind REBA 2002, the ethical code of conduct is still going to be in place and is still under this legislation. What I've heard is they're actually moving it around a little. So the ethics guideline area for realtors is going to be a little bit more condensed, easier to understand, easier to memorize. I don't know if that'll be a part of this information guide, but I am curious to see that and just have that transparency for consumers. We're getting close to December 1st, so it'd Mm -hmm. it'd be nice to see some of this information. But I think overall, it's definitely going to be a great resource for consumers. Hopefully, it's a clear, concise information package that they can refer to and, and find information on a at an easy basis, at ease. Sometimes it gets a little wordy when you get into the legalese, <laughs> when governing organizations jargon. write some things. Yeah. All the jargon. If you want to go to sleep easily. <laughs> and then finally, which is going to be really interesting for other agents, if you have ever worked with another agent that you thought put a bad name for realtors in Ontario, or if you've been a buyer or seller who has worked with an agent that you thought gave realtors a bad name, it's going to change a little bit with the disciplinary committee. So let me make sure I get this correct. The RICO Disciplinary Committee will now have the ability to suspend, revoke, or apply conditions to an agent's registration and investigate a realtor's conduct and refer the matter to the Discipline Committee whether a formal complaint has been made or not. I guess currently it's a formal complaint has to be made for an investigation to occur. Yes, we're working under a complaint-based system, which is if we have buyers or sellers who have made complaints about other agents for really egregious things, we have always recommended that they go, they read up on it. If they feel like they want to file a formal complaint, they know where to go on the RICO website. So now RICO is going to be actively looking at agents all across Ontario, looking at their conduct, exploring people who have had maybe more complaints or maybe people with no complaints. They're going to be doing their own investigation and deciding if they want to bring some disciplinary action towards a realtor, whether someone has made a complaint against them or not. I think it's good holding real uh, realtors to the accountability. I, I, again, we've got so many that I don't think a lot of them know actually what the the rules, the ethics are. They, they might be familiar when they write the test. but mm-hmm. Especially people who have been doing it for longer. If you've been doing this for 15 or 20 years and you've done your standard courses, but if you haven't been keeping yourself up to date and you haven't been on top of it, yeah. it's something that can easily get pushed back to the back of your mind and you don't think about, but we are legally responsible. 
we do it in a very important job and we deal with people's most important asset or one of the most important assets in their lives. It's important that we are regulated, that we do everything by the book and that everything is fair and open on the table. I totally agree. I think it'll be interesting to see what the implication of this is to uh, realtors and social media, mm-hmm. you know, podcast here and um, a lot of realtors can find themselves in trouble whether they're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, that they're presenting information that maybe they're presenting a listing that they don't have permission to, to advertise. And you certainly can't say anything disparaging about a listing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think there's a lot of people that are aware of that. Yeah. Or so if you're advertising incorrect information about a property. it's You've got to make sure everything's accurate and it falls within the guidelines of, of how we're going to present it. And that you have approval. And approval. The most important part. <laughs> All right, Dave, quick thoughts. How do you think Tressa is going to impact our market? Do you think it's going to make a huge change? And do you think realtors are going to be really receptive to it? I'm hoping there's going to be a ton of new training. Obviously, this is coming in pretty quick. December 2023 is coming up. So what are your thoughts? I think from the regulation side of it, it's I always embrace more regulation that's actually going to be implemented. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a need. We we saw the number of realtors absolutely balloon over the last four years. I think it's 74,000 in Ontario right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens when people come to renew. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of agents who haven't done a transaction in a very long time, mm-hmm. probably transitioning out of the business. Uh, and it's just getting too costly to carry your license. If you're not actively bringing money in, it's, it's probably an expense that people don't want to carry. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be improved for the people who are actually doing it full time. It's going to make a better system. Or that and hopefully the creates a better ability for us to police ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And I think that the government is also hoping that Tressa is going to give some confidence to buyers and sellers. I think right now realtors maybe don't have the greatest name. There's a lot of people who are angry and they're hoping that this is going to give us positive public impact. People are going to be able to trust realtors again. They're putting transparency on the table. They've even called the act the Trust in Real Estate Services Act. So they're really trying to build that, you know, we want to be the leaders in North America. We are trying to be the most transparent board out there. We are trying to do everything by the book and build that trust up again in Ontario realtors. I I totally agree. I think, you know, these changes are driven by demand from the public. Mm -hmm. I guess there's a bigger demand for being able to self-represent yourself and, and more clear distinction between what a client and a customer was. Yeah. And this is the first real overhaul that we've seen in over two decades. So it's going to be really interesting to see again, how it's received, how this changes the market and how it changes people's perceptions. You just made me think how long 2002. I think it's important to to update your your regulations. Um, It's it's certainly been long enough that uh, it needs to be looked at. And it's also, it it comes from somewhere, right? Yep. The public has made enough requests that it, it has to be addressed. And here's, what they're putting forward and, and we'll see how it's implemented and see what the results are. I think when it comes to opening the information based on the seller's discretion, I think we're probably going to see different pockets mm-hmm. where it, where it's more common and we're going to see other pockets where they just stick to the way it is. I think there's going to be a lot of attention on the first person to do this. The first seller who decides to do this and successfully closes their house. I think there's going to be some articles written about it. I think people are going to be keeping an eye on it just to see what happens. 
just to see, you know, get it some attention. I'm sure there will be articles. There always is. <laughs> yeah. But in, in the end, I don't know how much it's going to have an effect on value. Mm -hmm. The things that drive real estate price and influence it aren't necessarily the process of how it's done. In the end, if you have one home and you've got five or two or 10 people that want it, that, that's going to create competition and probably drive the price up. Yeah. Who sees the most value in that property yeah. and, you know, who can afford to buy it for what they value it at. Yeah. And, and the other factor that we're not really addressing is what the seller wants to sell it for. And we're seeing that a lot right now where the sellers have a price in mind. They want to achieve it. And if they don't achieve it, they're okay taking it on, taking the home off the market, staying there or possibly renting it out. Yep. And they'll try again later. They understand that it's a valued asset and some people just have a value in their mind and it's the only number that they're willing to let go. And if they can't get that, they're not going to let go of that home and that's yeah. one more home off the market. Yeah. I, I think that the seller's interpretation of price is probably going to still drive the market more so than the process hey, of how it's done. But it's been like this for a hundred years. Sellers want to sell high and buyers want to buy low. Just and, and there's competing forces. <laughs> Based off the number of listings and how many sales we have, so months of inventory, where some, when the condos downtown, we're, we're in a buyer's market, mm -hmm. but uh, in other areas we're we're in a balanced market. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about the huge influx of listings that we have right now. But as Kenner Broker pointed out, this is pretty average for Ontario. We just haven't seen average in a few years. Yeah, so we're been, not used to we've it. We've been driving the ultra fast lane. And, and we're not used to it. Yeah. We're, we're used to telling everyone more listings are coming next year. We're used to having a shortage of homes on the market. So now that yeah. we're getting back to reality and the norm for the last 10 years. The one thing that people don't really look at is we've got so many relists mm -hmm. where it's, okay, we try high, lower the price, relist it. A third of all yeah. listings on Treb right now are relisted. And it's a great term out there for them, uh, the zombie listings. So when you take away the zombie listings and you take the, the net new listings to the market and the ones that are really good, those kind of appear to be in a bit of a seller's market, right? Because mm -hmm. there's there's still high demand and those homes are the ones that are getting the multiple offers yep. and that there is still the competition for. The new shiny object syndrome really stands out usually in the first week. Again, you have to be really more hyper-focused, not only on on the neighborhood, but on on what's the new listing, how, do, how is it positioned to really understand where it's going to play out. So, Kate, thanks for taking us through all that. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are, how these regulations are going to be implemented and if they're going to change the market, mm -hmm. how they're going to be adopted by both sellers and buyers as well as agents. Awesome, Kate. Thanks for taking us through everything. I'd be interested to see how this is implemented into the market. And I let us know if you're going to sell your house, have your agent disclose the information to the to the buyers out there? Yeah. Are you interested in doing an open offers process on your home? Should they leave a comment below? Leave a comment, subscribe, share, and send this to a friend. We'll see you next time.